with rising billions, disrupting tradition, always be closing, gaining exponential wisdom from street smart strategies. I dream the kind of dreams that other people said would not be possible. Free your mind. Nothing happens till something moves. I'm a big fan of going all in on your strengths. Create your blue ocean. Innovation and collaboration with competition. Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? Creating uncontested market space. I worry that people don't tap into their strengths. Wealth creation and a new economy entrepreneur. There is a very thin dividing line between success and failure. Witnessing unprecedented technology. You can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold Show with Christopher Gumby and Alan Witch. Hi, it's Christopher Cumbie with Think Bold, Be Bold. And I'm in the house with Alan Witch, who's the awesomest, most incredible, the best co-host in the world. Alan. How are you? Wow. I'm not sure what to say now, except you, you, you even developed a new word in that. I'm, uh, right. I, I, I'm in awe. <laughs> well, listen, you got to switch it up a little bit, right? And I, I think it keeps people on their toes. And certainly, uh, I believe in, you know, everything I said, even my new word that I created. Um, and that one's specifically for you, Alan. So, uh, wow. you know, I feel hey, listen. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, so do I right back at you. Um, listen, you know, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Hey, today's kind of a special day for me. Um, my wife and I have been married 31 years today. What the what? Wow. Congrats, buddy. Um, Thanks, man. That, is, uh, that is really great news and congratulations on that. You know, that's a tremendous accomplishment for one, but, um, thank, uh, just, wow. Wow. Thank, I'm going to thank your wife. Yeah, I, I'm going to thank my wife, too. <laughs> keeping you in line. Keeping you in line. Yeah, that's that's really great with, news. You know? So, so what are you guys going to do? What are you guys going to do for 31? What, like, what is 31? My wife keeps me on track for, you know, I think the first 10, you have certain things you do. I think last year ours was uh, um, fruit and, um, and flowers. Uh, and, you know, we were actually pretty creative on that. I bought her a picture with flowers and she bought me a tremendous bottle of wine for fruit. So uh, I think we coordinated that really well. But uh, what is 31? Like, what do you do at 31? I think Italy. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, like think, that. I think that's where I'm at right now. So I yeah, I love it. Good for you. <laughs> Italy. Yeah, it gets into trips after uh, probably, yeah. well. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, again, well, uh, trips getting... and a couple of kids, and you know, uh, uh, I, I almost died, you know, and I'll, I'll, so you know, you got to add all that stuff up. Absolutely. Yeah, so. Well, listen, uh, we've got a guest in the house, and you know, this this guy, you know, by all means, uh, you know, still young, knocking out of the park. He's an operator, entrepreneur, um, but he also does some speaking, and you know, I'm not going to give it away because you always do an awesome job of introducing our guests. And, you know, I think having the guests that we've had on from, you know, let's say all kinds of genres, um, this one I'm really particular uh, about and very interested about because, you know, I, I think he, um, he went out there and did something pretty incredible and, and he's got obviously a lot of uh, battle wounds, I'm sure, 
uh, through his journey. But let's introduce him and get into it because I, I know that he has a lot to share. And uh, certainly um, he warned us that he has the gift of gab. So we want to make sure he has lots of time to tell his story, see how he can help people, point them in the right direction. And he told us a little secret that he's going to say at the end. And I can't wait to, uh, to hear what that is and, um, and you know, perhaps uh, excite people in our audience. So audience, as I always say, get your journal out. Get ready for the Golden Nuggets. Alan, let's go. Hey, we're going to get right into it. A very unique background for our guest today and uh, something I, I, I'd like to do more of. I'd like to, to, to find out this other end of, of capitalism that, uh, that our guest has today. And um, we're just going to, going to dive right in. This young man, and boy, he is a young guy, but what an accomplished lifestyle he's had. Uh, you know, his services are, are, are common, yet some of them are very unique. Uh, coach, mentor, fundraising support, and he's also an investor. So for those of you out there that uh, want to know more about investment, want to know about more about angel investing and, and what goes on in the mind of an investor when they choose you know, to work with an individual and, and put, put money towards uh, particular products and, and uh, you know, the private sector versus the public sector when it comes to investing, uh, this guy's got it down. So without further ado, let's welcome uh, Dinesh Kandan Chada to the house today. Dinesh, welcome. Thank you. That was uh, I'm blushing. And to tell you, for an East Indian guy, that's quite the feat. <laughs> A nice shade, right? A nice shade. That's right. Uh, Dinesh, um, you know, we had the privilege of having a, a chat and, and, you know, quite frankly, you and I share, uh, you know, hometown, uh, Toronto, uh, you know, Ontario, Canada. And uh, I know you frequent down in, um, I believe you said San Francisco, is that correct? Yeah, I've got the worst commute on the face of, well, <laughs> probably one of the worst commutes on the face of the planet. I got Toronto and San Francisco. I spend a lot of time in both places, uh, both amazing world-class cities, uh, just I'm very blessed. I bet. And, um, well, good for you. And you made that happen. So, um, again, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Dinesh is in the house, folks. And listen up because he's got some things to share. And we're going to get right into it. Well, you know, listen, I, I, I know we have, um, you know, some really good questions for you. But I always like to start the show by giving, um, you know, a little bit of background uh, that we, you know, or Alan might have uh, uh, not uh, uh, talked about, um, sort of fill in the gaps if you want. So give us sort of your journey, uh, you know, in, in, in as, cause I know you have the gift of gab in as little time as you can, because I want to get into some really good questions that are going to help people, um, with an epiphany, an idea, something they're thinking about, some inspiration, some motivation, all the things that you're obviously going to be able to, uh, to help with, but let's get right into it. Tell us, you know, the beginning and, and how things came along for you, because I know you started entrepreneurship very young. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, you know, a classic first generation immigrant, um, you know, uh, born from, uh, from Indian origin. And, um, you know, I, I kind of went down the path that kind of all of anybody who knows that culture, you know, there's only three, uh, maybe three justifiable professions, doctor being number one, engineer being number two, maybe scientist or academic number three, and then everything else is 
you know, you're pretty much an abject failure. That's a joke. That's not true. But, um, and so I, I went I went down the path of being a doctor, like a good Indian boy, and um, went through school, went through university, and got to got to near the end of my um, my bachelor's program, and was thinking, this is just this is not what I want to spend my life. This is not my life's purpose. I love helping people. I love interacting with people, but you know. The, the mechanism of doing that isn't medicine. And um, so I had, you know, tough conversations with my family. And, you know, the problem with something like medical school is that once you get down that path, you've been preparing for so many years, well into your high school and everything, that you don't really have a lot of other options. So good news. <laughs> if that yeah. wasn't a call for, for entrepreneurship, nothing else is, right? And so <laughs> I... Uh, I found some buddies who had a, a software company, and um, they didn't have really any any salespeople. They had um, some guys in the U.S. that were looking to scale up, and um, small team, and uh, mainly services. And then we we worked together, and we built a, our first software company and sold it to a semiconductor manufacturer in the late '90s. And I was bitten by the bug. And uh, so proceeded after that to start a bunch of other companies. You know, failures are, are, failures are how you measure your way to success. And so I had a couple of not-so-great stuff happen. But then, you know, in 2004, I uh, joined a small team that was creating an electronic fax uh, product and proceeded to build out with them um, a document management and electronic fax solution that we were able to scale all the way up to um, very close to $100 million a year in revenue and get acquired by the largest player in the in the field, uh, a company called eFax, from J, uh, companies called the JT Global, the products called eFax. So that was, that was a fairly significant exit. Um, and then since then, what I've been doing is I have been working with entrepreneurs in the capacities that, uh, that you guys described and also uh, operating my own services company with with um, um, my partners uh, a that does design and development and the cool thing about that business is it allows me to interact really brings two of my great passions together one of which which is entrepreneurship so I get to work with lots of early stage companies that are taking ideas and making them real um, and also I get to work with you know some of the best and brightest design and technology people um, in the world. Uh, and so that's phenomenal. And so that's kind of my day job. And um, in the interim, I try to share as much as I can of my experiences. And hopefully, um, you know, they will inform and help other folks. Uh, so, you know, they can take the good and leave the bad. And in the end, uh, hopefully uh, have, a, have a less bumpy journey um, as they go through this, this incredible vocation, which is entrepreneurship. Fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. I, I'm going to jump in really quick, uh, Alan, because sure. I know uh, we have a series of uh, questions around that. But, you know, what I find interesting and, and probably what caught some of, uh, of our audience, certainly my attention, um, you know, $100 million, you know, company, you know, that is incredible in itself. And, you know, I think a lot of people's dreams is, you know, to build a million dollar company, um, especially, let's say, being, you know, let's say a, a sole proprietor or, a, you know, an entrepreneur um, with a smaller business. But, you know, obviously collaborated with a with a fantastic mastermind. 
you know, how do you how do you scale a company like that from your perspective, knowing that, you know, I'm sure it just didn't come overnight. Um, I'm sure you had some bumpy roads, but you know, what what are some of the secrets, let's say, um, that you found, you know, afterwards in your journey looking backwards? Because I'm a true believer that, you know, life um, life is lived forward, um, but understood backwards. And you know, I think uh, entrepreneurship is very much the same. Um, but tell us, uh, you know, something that you uh, you learned along that journey to scale a company to that. Uh, uh, there's a couple of really important lessons. First, um, you know, crawl, walk, run, right? So it's like anything in life. You don't you don't go straight to running. If you try, you know, you'll spend a lot of time on your face, right? So start out by crawling and building a, you know, a $500,000 company, then an $800,000 company, but then a million and so on. But there's a thing you have to, that I always kept front and center, and frankly, I had um, a phenomenal mentor in, you know, the primary founder of our business, which was a guy named Joseph Noor, and he, um, he always was very clear um, on what kind of company he was building. So, you know, there's many different types of companies. There are $0 revenue, million-dollar companies and there's zero dollar revenue, billion dollar companies. And how you think about your business determines how you set out strategy and how you execute against that strategy with which tactics of people you work with. So as an entrepreneur, we set out to build a zero dollar, billion dollar company. And we, weren't, we were not gonna make decisions that, that um, led us to create a million dollar company. So sometimes that means you move a little slower it means you make trade-offs um, that you wouldn't make in other situations, but you need to have that clear and compelling vision of what kind of business are you building. Um, and so as long as you keep those two things kind of simultaneously in your mind, that you have to you know, get through all the, the, you know, the, the milestones of 100,000 and 500,000 and a million and then on up, but at the same time make your long-term decisions based on the kind of company you want to be as opposed to the kind of company you are, um, you know what, you'll, you'll be true. You'll, you'll be true to that, um, to that outcome. Love that. You know, you said something very interesting, um, uh, you know, crawl, walk, run. Can you teach my uh, one-year-old Bennett uh, to <laughs> take that <laughs> philosophy? Because I'll tell you, I, you know, I certainly believe he, uh, you know, hit the road running at such a young, young age. But um, anyway, uh, strategic and uh, being tactical, you know, through uh, that uh, development, um, you know, I heard another uh, quick thing, and and I think uh, and believe the same things is that. Um, well, let me ask you a question. I know you run companies, uh, and Alan, uh, uh, I know you've got a, an important one, but I just wanted to ask this really quickly, just to get a sense of Dinesh um, and building a you know this kind of scale. What would you say you are um, uh, either a are you a strategic CEO, or would you say you're a tactical CEO? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, there's only very few people um, that can say yes to both of those, and I know that's what you were saying. Um, you know, Steve Jobs um, was a great example of that, being very strategical but very tactical. So there's not a lot of people in the world that can, you know, be both. Um, it's usually one or the other, and then they rely on other people to, uh, to fill in the gaps. But that's uh, fantastic. Alan, take us away. Lots of questions. I'm uh, not quite sure where to start, but I'm going to just dive right in here. I'm going to go back to what you talked about, a uh, Dinesh, about a zero dollar uh, billion dollar company. Uh, for those that are that are not familiar with, uh, you know, the, the vernacular of uh, you know 
of, of investing in, in, in something on this scale. Can you define uh, maybe a little bit uh, more elaborate what the uh, zero dollar really means? Sure. So, you know, there's two concepts in business that, you know, are critical. Um, well, there's so many concepts, but let's just talk about two. The first one is revenue, and the second is enterprise value. And they get often confused because, you know, you think your business is what your last year's revenue was. Or, you know, maybe if you you talk to somebody other than your accountant, um, they might talk about things like value multiples um, and revenue multiples. But for the most part, most people think their business is whatever was on their tax return last year. And it's just simply not true because not all dollars are equal. And so when I think about creating a $0, billion company, you think about scenarios where um, you know, you've created intellectual property. And this is especially true in um, technology businesses, but it's also true in um, other IP type businesses like you know, think about uh, books and, um, and training videos and um, those kinds of things. So wherever there's IP, you have a potential to create a multiple on whatever revenue you have. And there is a value to the business that is not tied to the cash flow of the business. So that's when I talk about a $0, billion dollar business. Um, you think about if you, I don't know if you guys know, know that, you know, the WhatsApp acquisition, right? So that was a billion dollar acquisition, almost no revenue. Right, very little revenue there, but they built a billion-dollar business. So they've made a set of decisions um, for that mobile messaging platform that allowed them to build a, a huge amount of enterprise value, and they built that value in the number of people on their platform, not in the amount of revenue they collected. That is that clear? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very much so. Amazing, actually, and you know, I I think that's the world. Uh, you know, we live in now the sort of new economy, if you want, and, and it's pretty exciting. And, and Dinesh, you're probably on the cutting edge since you do a lot of business in uh, in San Francisco and, and, and sort of that tech uh, arena out there that, you know, the world, um, you know, in somewhat is getting smaller. Uh, you have billions of people coming online with the new technology, uh, 50 millibyte, you know, per second access to the Internet, uh, somewhere in the, you know, the, the deserts of, of um, uh, Africa um, with some of the, you know, loon technology and, you know, the Google platform that's going out into the sky and so forth and so on. And, and, and quite frankly, uh, you know, the companies uh, who are paying attention to that are, are going to scale, you know, quite quickly without being, uh, you know, concerned uh, about building the business in their backyard. Um, what's your take on, you know, that new economy? Because, uh, you know, I know you're you know, well-informed, you know what's going on out there, you're connected on a technology level. I, I'd really like to ask what your take is on that from, you know, knowing that, you know, you scale the business here, um, you know, globally now. What, what, what do you see happening? And, and you know, just give us uh, some insight on that. Yeah. So, you know, the world has really changed. Like for the last 150, 200 years, we've been living with an industrial model, assembly line model of how to, of how business runs, plus also how how to create value. So, right, there's a set of things that come in to the factory, and there's a set of things that come out the other side, and we kind of bake in some value. Um, and frankly, that was the way business was done for, you know, since the Industrial Revolution in the mid-1800s. 
we're in a completely, as you've stated, we're in a completely different world. We're in a knowledge age now. And frankly, um, you know, people, the two, the two uh, impacts of that are one is the, is the, the, the usefulness of information and, the, and the, the shelf life of information. So information goes bad m much, much more quickly than it did even 50 years ago. If you, if you did an MBA, even for myself, when I did my MBA in the late 90s, that MBA was good for, you know, let's say five, six years, right? That information that I studied, that would have, that would have served me well in the corporate world. Um, today, if you do an MBA, um, frankly, I, I think it's you're lucky to be it's you lucky to be useful for 12 months. Um, and the pace of knowledge has changed, and the result of that is that technologies that leverage um, technologies and companies and ideas and value propositions that leverage the speed of information and are able to um, take information and turn it into insight will do incredibly well. We've done very, I mean, that's why Google is one of the most valuable companies in the world. Frankly, that's why Apple is one of the most valuable companies in the world. It's because they are able to provide these experiences and they turn into information. In the case of Apple, it's all sorts of different types of information, same thing with Google. And they're able to make it, turn it into insight that everybody, you and I can use. And so we become, um, we become dependent on them. And so there's a disproportionate value created, even though they don't really have any material, you know, physical um, stuff. They don't have a factory anymore. U.S. has been very well served and will continue to be well served. Um, I think where global opportunities are in emerging markets like China and India um, and um, uh, Eastern Europe, we're seeing um, huge um, uptake in those markets um, as, you know, um, consumers come online with disposable capital and a thirst for the good life. And, uh, you know, there are companies that are, you know, set up in, in North America and then look to international opportunities uh, with, you know, basically the same product or some localized version of that product you know, they're, they're, they'll be able to do very well. And it's never been easier to do business globally than it is today. There are so many tools out there that allow you to um, get resources, software development resources, design resources, marketing resources, sales resources from all over the world. You can sell in global markets without having, you know, having to fly there anymore with, with, with tools like WebEx and, and JoinMe and, and conferencing is free, right? You know, conferencing was a major cost to a business 10 years ago. It's free today. So there's a lot that's going on that helps the small business person, the, the, the entrepreneur in the $1 to $10 million business do business globally. The key thing is going to be structuring their business knowing that information is going to change very quickly and value is created by creating insights for your clients and experiences for your clients not necessarily by creating things that you can drop on the floor. You know, you said something really quick, um, you know, that I, it reminds me of uh, Peter Diamantis, um, you know, in his book, Bold. Uh, change is, you know, imminent. Um, it, well, the only constant is change, he says, and uh, the rate of change is increasing rapidly. Um, you know, and, and, and we pay attention to, uh, to Peter because, you know, he inspired us actually to, you know, launch this show, Think Bold, Be Bold, because of his, uh, you know, concept around being bold and go out there and, and, and you know, um, 
let's say, solve world problems or challenges that are going on yeah. out there. So, uh, thanks for that, Alan. What do you got? Hey, you know, uh, Dinesh, t- you said a couple things, and, and Chris just hit on them. Um, you know, information goes bad very quickly, and the and the pace of knowledge has changed, and you know, turning information into insight. You know, Chris and I always talk about being consummate students and uh, the the value of uh, not only, you know, sitting on stage, but, you know, sitting, um, you know, in the front row and the back row and really learning. And when you're, you know, from an investor standpoint, for somebody that's going to look at uh, either helping or uh, getting some equity from, uh, you know, an idea, an intellectual property idea mm-hmm. from, you know, maybe a new investor, how... Um, how much is, does it does it play on your decision or the investor's decision when it comes to the character of the uh, the person that you're looking at investing with about them really being a student about them really understanding that they're going to be on need to be on their toes for the next X amount of years because things are going to change. Not only is technology going to change, but competition is going to change. The speed to competition is much faster as well. So does the character and the the mindset of the person uh, that came up with the idea, the investee, does that play a big role in um, deciding who, what, where, why, or when for an investor? One of the great urban myths is that investors invest in companies and uh, and ideas, um, it's simply not true. No investor I've ever worked with, or um, you know, I personally, like anybody I've known, product and idea is important, but that's not what we invest in. We invest in people, right? So we invest in teams, mm-hmm. and that uh, I can't count the number of phenomenal ideas have come across my desk that I've said I've passed on because the team couldn't execute, not because the idea was bad, not because the market wasn't in a huge opportunity. Frankly, the team they had assembled wasn't going to be able to execute. And, you know, investors are, are investing in execution, not in the idea, because there's so many phenomenal ideas out there. I mean, just, they're uncountable. Um, and and the, the difference between people who are successful and I call this the, the say-do gap, right? The difference between people who are successful and the people who, um, who talk about being successful is their ability to execute, their ability mm-hmm. to do. And so how do you get better at doing? Well, how you get better at doing is by learning, right? Because frankly, you know, we talked about this at the outset, there's no school, there's no MBA for entrepreneurship, even though there's a bunch of schools that try to do, you know, entrepreneurship programs, but frankly, that's an oxymoron in my humble opinion. You know, entrepreneurship is, there's only one school, the school of hard knocks, right? And good news, there's some guys who've got masters and PhDs in those schools um, around you, if you can go find them, you just got to go find them. And, you know, if you talk to them, if you listen to them, if you share your experiences as you go down that journey, you will you will learn in a way that um, is far more tangible and far more um, transferable to your business than what would be necessarily in a book. I think everybody um, everybody talks about you know the challenge of the, the book CEO, right? The CEO that reads the book once a month and then drops in a whole bunch of new ideas into the business, and everybody has to run around and try to make them work. Well, I think there's an element of book learning that's really important. It's like anything, you know, your mind is sacred. So you have to be very careful about what you allow in. 
And so sitting in the front, sitting in the back, doesn't matter. Sit in the room, get the knowledge, get the ideas, evaluate those ideas, um, get a sense for the shelf life of those ideas. And uh, as an investor, I'm looking for people who are more interested in growing than they are in making money. Because if you're growing and the, the way you measure your growth is how much value your business is creating, then you'll just, you'll, I'll just ride your coattails all the way up to 100 million or a billion bucks. If you're focused on making money, um, frankly, that's a, short, that's a short train ride. Hear that, people? The, the, the money is the outcome of the effort, not the, not the, the, the tangible goal. And I, I think that's, that's so important. I mean, I, you know, I've been building teams for a lot of years in a lot of different industries, and I'd rather have a fantastic team and, and work with a mediocre product and have a mediocre product and, and, uh, or a great product and a mediocre team. You know, I, I think that's really a, an important deal. Not that I want to venture anything that's mediocre, but uh, I, I get what you're saying. And um, I think that's really important to surround yourself with people that are, that are really good at what you need, what you need to have and be, and can really have the foresight to be able to see what's ahead. And if they can't see what's ahead, at least learning how to pivot and uh, know what that really means. So thanks for being uh, extremely transparent uh, with what you're saying there, Dinesh. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, you know, again, environment is such an important aspect because um, when people are feeling good, and generally speaking, if you're in a group or a mastermind or you've got a business going on and people are generally feeling good, man, that just, um, you know, again, getting into uh, maybe some uh, existentialism here with law of attraction or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, when people are feeling good, generally things uh, come and uh, and start looking good and, you know, it just perpetuates it creates that momentum and I think it's such an important aspect um, you know to coin the phrase uh, Napoleon Hill says is it needs to be harmonized you know you need to yeah. be in harmony um, and that harmony is what you know really removes what most people uh, would say there's mountains in front of them and that's why they don't go after it in the f first place because they're probably focused on that mountain rather than getting around it or climbing up it um, so thanks uh, great insight amazing uh, you know Dinesh, where were you our whole lives? What's going yeah. on here? Um, you know, you're just, uh, you know, just filled with great information. And it obviously came, um, you know, along your journey, uh, you know, doing what you, you have done. Um, how do you find time to do everything, my friend? Because, you know, you've got a lot going on. And uh, obviously, um, you know, that, that has to be uh, some way you manage all that. Tell, tell us about that because, you know, probably some people are going, well, you know, I just don't have time, um, yeah, which then you know, creates point. that excuse, right? So tell, tell yeah. us about that because you're really crushing it. And, you, I, I mean, I didn't hear you talk about, you know, you don't have time for stuff. You're making time for the things that are important. So tell us about that secret. I think you just hit it on the nose, right? It, you're, you know, one, of, one of the things that I really believe is you know, we, we all have the same amount of time. And you know, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, we choose how we spend that time, um, at least on this planet. I mean, that might be on other planets. You can stare at this scenario. That's another topic right there. <laughs> you're, my kind of, so, you're, guy, you're my kind of guy, but we'll take that offline. <laughs> <laughs> well, if... If we get to the moon with SpaceX, you never know. I might we not might not be able to say that anymore. That's right. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it. Come on, Richard. Richard, you're hearing us, right? You're coming on the show soon. 
Richard Branson, SpaceX. Let's uh, or Peter Diamantis. We're uh, Peter. We're, throwing, we're throwing it out to you guys. Come on, Elon Musk. I think we should come on together. That, and I think we should have Dinesh back on. We should have a little five-person group. Yeah, right. That'd be, awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. So when so, I look at time, so there, they really the so it's let people who focus on time are focused on the wrong thing, right? So the thing you have to focus on is, to me, is is always so what what do I want to get done, um, and uh, you know, there's, there's a, there, there will never be, um, there's never going to be any more or less time. Time is a constant. My mom is a physicist. And so um, one of the great upsides of being born in a scientific family is the fact that you understand the difference between variables and constants. Mm -hmm. And um, you get to spend a lot of time at the dinner table discussing math, which is not a benefit. That's, you know, my therapist loves hearing about that because it guarantees her job security for the rest of her life. Um, and and the, the net is, is that time is a constant. And so what we have really is a variable is what we do with our time. And most people have no idea what's, what's important to them. And in the absence of any test against time, you will, everything looks like it's, it needs to happen. And this is, so what I focus on when people tell me I don't have time, I, I say, let's not talk about time. Let's talk about your priorities. What are your priorities? And, you know, most people give me that blank stare. What do you mean, what are my priorities? What are your priorities? What do you want to do today? What do you want to do 90 days from now? What do you want to do one year from now? What do you want to do 10 years from now? And if you can't answer that question, there's no point in talking about time because you have no way of testing whether the things you're doing are good for you or bad for you or, or indifferent for you. So that's where I start. I start with what do you want to do? And I personally, since my 20s, have had five-year plans. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer, as you guys are clearly Napoleon Hill fans as well, that writing it down manifests reality. And so I sit down and I write down what's important to me. And, you know, I have a set of values and I have a set of principles that guide my life. And I evaluate every single thing I do every conversation I have against those principles. And what I've discovered in, in you know, 20 years of doing this is I have more than enough time. In fact, I have probably time, I haven't yet reached the limit of my time. Um, I always feel I could do more. Um, no, it's not meant, look, it's not meant to be, like if, if you're doing what you love, it creates energy, it creates uh, space for you, the universe will create space for you to do things you're good at and you love doing. Um, and time just kind of stops in, when you're in the flow, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and I've, I've, you know, I have an operating company of 200 plus employees. I have a speaking career. I am an angel investor. Um, I also uh, volunteer. I also have two small kids, age eight and 10. I spend half my life in, uh, in between Toronto and San Francisco, and I still take time, four to five weeks every winter, to go on a massive vacation with my family. Um, and people would say, that's not possible. It's totally possible if you can figure out what your priorities are, and then design the life that helps you achieve those priorities. So that's a really high-level answer. Unfortunately, I can't give you a more detailed answer because it's tied down to the priorities of the individual. Um, and in my work with entrepreneurs, I actually focus them on 
what's important? What does success look like? And success is more than financial. It's more than professional, right? There are many dimensions to success, and you have to decide, you know, what, what, where are you going to invest and try to succeed? You know, you said uh, time is, you know, one um, sort of constant, and, you know, I certainly believe a lot of people um, buy into these time management um, you know, courses or philosophies, and, you know, I just learned a long time ago that, um, you know, that's not where you put your focus, and you mentioned it. It's priority management, um, and, and, you know, again, allocating the time to those priorities is more or less where people, you know, can really benefit the most. You know, music to my ears, you said something, write it down. <laughs> so listen, I started off this uh, show and, and, and most shows, and Al and I talk about it all the time, get your journals out because this is the magic. When you write things down, you own it. And when you own it, you can make decisions about it. And I truly believe in a journal, um, Dinesh. That's what I, you know, uh, wrote my book about. And I truly believe when people write it down, it gets them closer to the manifestation uh, of things. And quite frankly, it helps them discern things and look at things and think about things. And I think people just generally don't ponder enough, don't think about the things. Um, they don't ask the tough questions. You said it. What do I want? I mean, that's just a you know, simple question, really, but I know a lot of people that just never really answer that question, and, and why I know that is because I do some coaching and mentoring, and that's really the you know, first question I ask. What do you want? And you know, the blank stare happens, and you know, they just never really took the time to, to figure that out, um, and they race through life. Uh, to your point, they didn't crawl first. You know, they, they didn't, um, you know, walk and, you know, they just decided to run and, and, quite frankly, don't know what they're running to. So, man, great insight. Thank you so much. Alan, uh, we're getting close, but I, I'm sure we can squeeze something in here. What do you, yeah, what do you I think? Yeah, I got, got another question. Dinesh, fantastic information, by the way. I'm just, I'm, I'm running as fast as I can. Um, I want to go back to something you said really early about your childhood. You talked about uh, there's, a, there's a, you know, a couple of, you know, born in India, there's a couple of things that... Mm -hmm. uh, um, society in India, you know, feels and, and family feels is, is really high valued, you know, being a doctor and engineer and so forth. And that, but the more thing that intrigued me is that you plan that, you plan that journey, that life all the way from the beginning up through, you know, grade school, junior high, you know, high school and so forth. Um, that's a pretty confident track. And that's a, you know, from a family that's really got, you know, the focus down and so forth. And what would you, how would you, work with or what would you say what were the magic tools you'd give a uh, somebody that uh, didn't come from that background that maybe has uh, squirreled if you will um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully yeah. but really yeah. hasn't had the support um, and really maybe not know how to reach out to find that support but wants to be able to get out of the nine-to-five and and take on the life of an entrepreneur um, and they don't have that experience. How do you go about creating that kind of a mindset without having a history of it before? Yeah, great question. So two things. Uh, first off, um, you know, the, I'll talk to the tools, but I, w I do want to say something. You know, at the outset, entrepreneurship is a team sport. It is not a solo sport. And um, you know, you know, you guys are successful because you have phenomenal people in your life that support you, right, um, that allow you to, um, you know, whether they're your spouses, your kids, your relatives, 
um, the fact that your friends, right? These are folks that are there for you because let's face it, this is a tough gig and there's a lot of down days that are going to happen and are happening all the time and, you know, you need somebody walking beside you. Um, doesn't matter, you know, what the title of that person is, but you need to seek out people who can hold you up when your energy is low and pick you up when you fall down. That's part of the game. Um, and if you think this is a solo sport, you will fail. Um, so that's point one. And I, I learned that uh, when I had a lot of adversity after my first uh, startup, when my wife, uh, my phenom phenomenal wife, uh, Verinda, she was, she, you know, she, she, we were incredibly rich. We lost everything and we're living in my parents' basement. And she says to me, she goes, I have faith that you'll make it work. And she had faith in me when others didn't. And um, I think that's, uh, that's all you need some days, right? So that's point one I'm going to make. So it's less about your skill set and the, the habits. That's really important. And I'll talk to that in a second. But surround yourself with people who are your cheerleaders, who are part of your team. And if you're alone, seek out opportunities to find those people. Um, so that's point one. Point two. Uh, second point is it's all about um, the discipline is found by what I call personal accountability. There are no right or wrong paths, right? Um, all, they're just paths. And so what you really need to do is develop a very, very high level of personal accountability. You know, just never lie to yourself, right? When you make a mistake, say I made a mistake. And not I made a mistake, beat myself up. I made a mistake and failure is an opportunity to learn. How do I learn from this? And um, I think if you just build a culture for yourself of, of very, very high accountability uh, without any of the emotional baggage that comes from it. I mean, we're, we're taught in school that, you know, failure is or mistakes are bad. But frankly, mistakes are how we as humans learn, right? That's what evolution is all about. It's about, oh, that's the wrong path. We don't want to go, we don't want to go stand in front of the lion again. That was a mistake. Um, let's, <laughs> let's, let's go up into the trees where the lion can't get us, right? Like, you know, frankly, that's, that's how we learn as a species. So, you know, own mistakes, relish the opportunity to learn from them. Um, and then the, the last piece of it is, is that just, you know, just don't expect it to be easy. Um, I, I planned my life primarily because that, A, partially because I'm kind of a Virgo and, you know, I'm into planning. Me but too. I know, I know. <laughs> Are we all Virgos? Are you kidding me? And I'm not into signs, but we're all three Virgos? Yes, sir. Wow. So, I mean, so my wife, who's a Pisces, you know, looks at me, you know, with, with those eyes of you are just the most obsessive compulsive guy on the face of the planet. But, you know, she's a very <laughs> successful entrepreneur as well, but she does it through people, right? And she's very spontaneous. So I, I don't think there's a single path. The, the two things are, one, is to have the right support, and B, is to be highly accountable. So, you know, if, if, you, want, if, if you want to be the kind of person that just lets the universe tell them what's going on and just is very intuitive, to to people to um, to the market to to opportunities that I know very very successful entrepreneurs who have lived their lives that way. One of the things that's very clear about that's common though is one is they're very clear on what they want and what they're trying to do in the world, their their purpose, their vocation, and two is they have support around them to help with the planning, right? And so that's that to me is the two things, right? One is 
high level of accountability, like don't lie to yourself. That's the thing that we all do that's, that um, I think holds us back is you know, when we make a mistake, we don't want to admit we made a mistake. And so what ends up happening is you, know, you, can, you can tell whatever stories you need to tell to people outside, but never tell yourself stories. Like just it's one of those fundamental rules if you want to be successful in life. There, there, can be no, there can be no stories between you and you. And then the second is find the right group of people around you so that you can, you can, you can move the ball up the field. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, no, just, um, you know, obviously pay attention, folks. Um, you know, Dinesh, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, he's an MBA, um, but he did his PhD in the School of Hard Knocks. And, and, and really that's where that comes from, you know, this knowledge, this, this um, insight. And, you know, paying attention to that um, is, is so important. So uh, on that note, um, how do people you know, connect with you? What's the best way to learn more about you? How can they contribute? How can you contribute to them? So forth and so on. So give us some time there because we're going to get into some rapid, bold insights. Sorry, Alan, what do you want to say? No, I just want to say, and how can someone get on your radar? There you go. Yeah, easiest way is send me an email. So my email address, you can send me an email. It's uh, dineshk at dineshk.co. Um, I'll be, I'm going to be very transparent with you. I have an assistant. She reads most of my email because I've decided email is not a priority. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the important thing is with that, though, is email is a priority for her. And so she's worked with me for years. Her name is Andrea. She's a phenomenal lady. Um, yes, she'll, uh, she'll, she'll look through and she'll, she'll reach out to you. She'll set up a time. She'll ask you some questions. And then we'll, we'll absolutely get together. Um, if nothing else, uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the 15-minute networking call. So um, I'm, open to, I'm open to doing that. Um, and then, you know, we'll take the conversation where it naturally, naturally uh, makes sense to go. Awesome. Wow, that's an open door policy right there, folks. So yes. take advantage. Take advantage. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, but don't abuse uh, the advantage either. Yes, absolutely. Um, may, you know, make it worth uh, Dinesh's time, and 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 certainly don't spam him. Um, but you know, wide open for opportunity. Let's get into some rapid, bold insight. You ready for this, Dinesh? Sure. All right. All right, all right, all right, as Matthew McConaughey says. Uh, what book do you recommend that you may have read or you're reading now? Two books I recommend to every, every person, frankly, um, entrepreneurs particularly, is, um, well, you guys have already mentioned one, so I'm going to say three, but Napoleon Hill's <laughs> Think and Grow Rich. Uh, that was one of the first books I read when I was a teenager. Um, and, you know, frankly, if you are in this business, and you haven't read it, um, stop whatever you're doing, find a nice deck chair and read it with a notebook. Um, so that's one, but th that one's a bonus. The two that um, are more kind of um, operational is one is called Essentialism, and it's all about um, the, the, the idea of the trade-off and doing the 10% that generates 90% of the results. And a great narrative book um, that just, for me, it was more about, it was really, it was almost like an emotional blanket. It's a book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Um, and it's written by, um, excuse me, one of the founders of, um, um, of uh, Netscape. And, um, um, uh, and so I think uh, Ben Horowitz is his name, and he currently runs the VC firm uh, Andreessen Horowitz, which is 
I think, the most successful venture capital firm um, in the world. And he talks through his experiences both as a CEO um, and in a company that went really well and then went really bad. And he talks about you know some of the experiences that he went through and how he like it's very personal. He talks through his personal emotions, and we we are all trying to trying to build businesses, and it's a very lonely enterprise. In spite of it being a team sport, as I mentioned, so um, you know, having knowing that what you're feeling is not unique or alone, you're not alone um, on those dark nights um, sometimes is very uh, reassuring. Got it. Uh, awesome. Uh, what do you do for fun? Tell us about that. So I'm a firm believer in um, you know full kind of full spectrum. So exercise is a big part of my um, um, of my non-work uh, life. Um, I, I don't think playing with your kids counts as something you do in your free time. I think it's just something you always do. But that's a big one too. Yeah, for and, sure. And then the last one is um, music. I'm a musician. I have been playing uh, violin from a very young age, and I continue to use music as a way to, um, to both connect with things that are that are kind of beyond this traditional professional domain, but also is a great way to de-stress. So yeah, that's what I do. Fantastic. Nice. What one piece of technology has helped you or your business the most? cell phone. Um, frankly, I don't think I could do the job I do without um, you know, the, the ubiquitousness of mobile telephony um, and the fact that today I can run my entire company from my Android phone. Uh, phenomenal world and times we live in that that's possible. I love it, and I, I would probably uh, say the same thing if someone asked me. What quote is at the most impact on you, Dinesh? Uh, well, so the one I've, I've there's many. Um, I have kind of a, a virtual mastermind, um, and you know, a couple of the members are Abraham Lincoln and you know uh, Vince Lombardi. And the third one, which really um, made a big difference to me, is Gandhi. And you know, he had a saying um, which I keep front and center on my desk every single day, and I look at it, and it stares me in the face. Uh, and it says, actions express your priorities. And when I think about, you asked a question about time management and um, you know, how, you, how you do more, and how you do more is by expressing your priorities and your actions. And so every time I'm doing something that is not directly influencing my priorities, that quote sits in front of me and says, well, that means you're basically telling yourself, again, in a high accountability environment, that whatever you said was your priority isn't your priority. So rectify the disconnect. Either make it a priority by stopping doing whatever you're doing, or decide it's not a priority and move on. And that's a very, very simple way to test against everything you do on a daily basis. That's, that's awesome. You know, you mentioned, and I don't know what it is with us Virgos, but uh, <laughs> you a sure. A lot of harmony here. <laughs> a lot of harmony, a lot of harmony. I'm just saying. I don't know. Maybe this is the universe telling us something, guys. Um, but, you know, I call it my silent, you know, mentor uh, or silent counsel. And, and I do the same thing. You know, I have conversations with these people that um, some, you know, some are alive, some, some aren't. Um, but I, I find... Um, 
that if you emulate some of um, or listen, you'll hear, you know, the responses to some of those things. And 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 again, we'll get into that offline. But uh, certainly uh, caught my attention on that one. Hey, listen, Dinesh, you're amazing, and obviously you're you know a, a creative uh, being, and and you're doing things. What's your next bold move? Yeah, so I've. I'm trying to do something really bold, something that can change the world. Um, and um, it's tied to the nature, kind of the current zeitgeist around uh, around um, uh, shootings and, and gun violence, whether it's initiated by foreign or domestic uh, um, uh, sources. And ultimately what you know, there's a bunch of societal underpinnings that create scenarios where people feel like it's okay to go out and hurt um, other innocent people and property. And, you know, it's a very, that's a very sad situation, period. But, you know, the fact is, is lamenting the situation doesn't make it better for all of us. And so I'm working right now on a, on a startup um, that I'm hoping I can tell your audience much more about in the fall that would potentially um, eliminate um, the ability for folks to bring weapons into public spaces um, by providing covert detection of guns, knives, and bombs, um, and then inform informing uh, security personnel. Uh, so the idea there is is that you know we change the uh, the um, balance of information from being on the side of the person who is out to do bad things to our incredible peace officers, police officers. Um, security personnel so they know in advance and they can buy valuable minutes um, to try to minimize loss of life and loss of property. That's a, that's a bold move because it could be quite, quite, uh, quite impactful to all of us and also it's a, it's a phenomenal technology that, um, that could make us all a lot safer. I think no one here wants to hear about another school shooting, right? So absolutely, something absolutely. that I'm very passionate about. Yeah, very for sure. admirable undertaking. We absolutely. Yes, for sure, and uh, definitely want to hear more. Um, listen, you know, Diamantis talks about, you know, people solving the world's, you know, challenges out there, and, and it sounds like, well, we all know, um, you know, here in the United States as well, that, you know, it's, it's, it, it is a problem, um, and we need to fix it. So, commend you on that. I love the next bold move that you're taking. Alan. Alan, it's that time. It's that time, it's that my time. friend. Has it really I, gone that fast? It's, I, it's amazing how fast this time goes with such I know. great content. I know. And I, just, you know, I can listen to Dinesh because, Dinesh, i, I got to give you a compliment. Um, you know, you're a very uh, well-articulated speaker, and, and, I, and I love listening to you. You've got a lot of great uh, insight. You've got a lot of great experience. Audience, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in. Uh, connect with Dinesh. Take advantage of what he offered. Um, and we appreciate any comments, uh, you know, that you want to provide. Uh, we'll certainly pass them on. Uh, info at thinkboldbebold.com. And, uh, Alan, let's, uh, let's wrap her up. Yeah, I hate to do that, but uh, come that time. Dinesh, thank you so much for your transparency and uh, your willingness to, uh, to really share some real stringent yet some real backbone information for 
what it means to really be an entrepreneur. And I think the audience is really going to be able to have some great takeaways. And speaking of takeaways, um, we'd like to end the show with uh, a bold move, something that uh, you can leave the audience with that they can institute in their business or maybe in their life. Uh, today, it could be something you've already talked about. It could be something that you've got, uh, you know, hidden away in it and, you know, underneath the, uh, the uh, journal somewhere. But what one bold move would you like to leave the audience with today? So, what I would say is double your output. So stop lying to yourself about the fact that you don't have time. Figure out your priorities. So today, go out and write the top three things you want to achieve in the next 10 days, the next 10 months, and in the next 10 years. And then act. Start on the very first one, right? And the biggest challenge in, in, I think, in bold moves is the fact that people look at them and get intimidated by them. So go. Figure out your priorities. Stop making excuses and act. I love that. As, nice. As I, you know, you said that and we finished off, there's, um, you know, uh, I think an F-16 that just flew I by my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, listen, uh, it's a great way to end the show. Dinesh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you to our audience. You guys are absolutely why we do this show, help inform, provide, and, uh, and, and inspire, motivate, and get you guys moving to go after your wildest dreams. Be bold. Think bold. Alan, you're always so much fun to hang out with. Chris, what can I say? I love you, man. That's a very nice compliment uh, that you gave me. I appreciate that. We are having fun. Um, and I think that's a that's a big key to life is that you have to enjoy what you do. And if you don't enjoy what you do, you don't know how to get out, go ask somebody. Go find somebody. Put some people around you that can help you make that decision and make it in an educated way. So with that said, Dinesh, thank you so much for being on the show. We hope that you come back. And we didn't ask him, Dinesh, will you come back? <laughs> Absolutely. You guys are awesome. All right, Dinesh. You're, well, right back at you, my friend. You're, you're, you're an awesome human being, and, and I love what you're doing. Hey, listen, folks. It wouldn't be a show without me saying, do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.